0: Welcome back, everybody, to Dungeon Master's Apprentice, a podcast where we all learn how to be better DMs together. I'm your host, Theo Geeson, and today we are going to be talking about not only one of my favorite things about D&D, but one of my favorite things of all time, and that's writing. I love to write more than anything. That's why I'm taking my degree. I like to write in my spare time, and once I realized that D&D had a huge writing component to it... It just grabbed me immediately, and you know, um, not only do I really like the role playing aspect, the dice aspect, the combat, everything. I I just really like it. I don't you pro, you guys probably know at this point, but I really like a good story. And D D is capable of producing the best stories. I'll just say it. it's the best. They can they're the best stories. Yeah. You know? And so just fusing two of my favorite things. Uh, D&D and writing is basically being a DM. Uh, Obviously, there are writing aspects to being a player. You have to write your backstory and stuff like that. Maybe you write a little description of your town or what your your house looks like back home, something like that. But um, being a DM is a lot of writing, which is maybe why I like it so much, uh, being a DM, that is, is because... I get to sit down for a couple hours, think about a story, and then write it, and then later on we get to perform it and play it. And um, so I guess I'll just start with a little bit of background. Um, I've noticed we got some new listeners. Let me refresh our little um, analytics sheet here. Because I did see someone new. Someone new from South Africa, which is amazing. Uh, Oh my god, I just noticed uh, someone from Germany. Um, This is awesome, guys. So we got Canada, Brazil, United States, United Kingdom, South Africa, Singapore, Germany. Uh, Shout out to every single one of you guys. This is fucking awesome. Um, I really never expected to even get this far. It says we have 91 plays now. I... Um, like, you know, that's, as we got five today, is way more than I expected, you know, that people would just like pick it up and stuff. I know one of them is Dave, um, shout out Dave. Um, but yeah, the fact that, uh, people just like listening all the time, uh, is awesome, you know, um, uh, for those who are just tuning in recently, I really only started this podcast because I was really, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I always was interested in making one. And D D is just something that I knew a lot about and I thought that I could talk about for, you know, an hour at a time or something like that. So, you know, I started this podcast maybe a month ago. I'll have to take a look. Uh maybe like approaching approaching a month uh here. But uh yeah, I just started it for fun. Um just uh started with no intro music as you can probably tell as you listen to those earlier episodes. Um, Today actually I set up all my stuff in my closet Um, I'm sitting On the floor with my legs crossed Microphones up on a Bush ice beer box The 15 pack 2675 down at the NSLC Got one actually in hand here Enjoying a beverage uh, While we record Put one of my blankets up on the wall Got the laptop set up got the lamp going, computers plugged in, we, I could sit here for a couple hours and just ramble on, hopefully my neighbors aren't uh, listening in thinking that I'm a fucking nerd, but it doesn't uh, fucking matter, anyways, I uh, just want to shout out all the new listeners here, uh, you guys um, really inspire me. Um, just, uh, thinking that there's people out there who actually maybe give a shit. Maybe you guys are listening to this just laughing your asses off about how silly I sound. Um, but, I'm having a good time. Um, and again, anyone wants to give me an email, it's dungeonmasterpod at gmail dot com. Still haven't gotten an email from anyone but Nathan, so if you want to be the first, hit me up maybe even if john or, or dave wants to get in on that ac- email action uh send one in send one into the gmail but i think we've i think i've gone on too much i think i've gone off topic here we're going to bring it back to writing so as i said um just a quick personal uh background uh as a kid i always liked to read especially like fantasy stuff i don't know if anyone's ever read like the Charlie Bone series. I feel like it was pretty obscure. No one, but if you read it, I mean, you you uh, picked a good series to get into. Um, Percy Jackson, uh, you know all those like thirteen-year-old uh, white male protagonists who are um, in some sort of uh, European-esque fantasy setting. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of us are drawn to that. Just because that's just what's most prevalent um, in the media. Uh, But yeah, I just like grew up on that shit, uh, but never really um, wrote. I just, you know, like read a lot. Then I got into Hunger Games. I did read The Hobbit when I was 13 or 12 or something, probably like 12. Didn't really like it that much. Um, tried to get into Lord of the Rings for. I, there's a, a Tolkien class that I was originally signed up for last year, but I I got like halfway through the first Lord of the Rings book and, like, I can I really do appreciate uh, Tolkien's writing style, but I mean it just takes so long to get through. You know, if if um, I was reading for fun, a hundred percent I would read Tolkien, but. Um, I had to read three of those books in, like, a month or something, and every time I picked it up, it was just so slow, so I thought, you know what, I emailed the prof and was like, I can't take this, and he was like, yeah, that's f- I'm, fair enough, but uh, that doesn't mean I don't, I don't like fantasy, because I don't like Tolkien, um, I'll admit, I've also never seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, like, definitely something I have to get around, around to, Um like, it seems, it seems stupid that I haven't seen it, but I haven't. Um, just because I guess I don't really watch a lot of movies and shit. Um, but anyways, um, never really wrote outside of school until in grade 11. In high school, I took a writer's crafting class. It was, like, a grade 12 class, but um, uh, they said it was fine that I took it. Um, there was It was a class of, like, six seven people maybe and like half of the time there would be three of us so we got a lot of one-on-one time with the uh with not the professor with the teacher uh which was great and sort of uh got me hooked on like that small classroom environment and which is you know part of the reason why I came to Acadia was because I liked that class so much um Acadia being a really small school um Most of my classes have like three other people in them, which isn't insane. Um, But yeah, really like that class. Um, Really like the professor. I got to read a lot of interesting things. Uh, I read uh, Catcher in the Rye for the first time in that class and really like that writing style, that stream of consciousness. And I mean, I get stream of consciousness is like kind of applicable to tnd because they're both sort of like an improvisation type thing because i mean stream of consciousness you're just writing whatever is coming to your head and you're not really thinking about what you're saying um i wrote a stream of consciousness consciousness piece for that class it was a couple thousand words maybe like four or five thousand words or something like that i'll have to i found it one day um while i was cleaning out my desk when i was moving and and gave some of it a read um i didn't read all of it because it was kind of like Whenever you look back on your own writing, you feel a little bit like embarrassed sometimes. But all other times, you like read a sentence or something, and you're like, uh, and I'll be like, Dan, that was actually like a a pretty decent sentence. Like, good job, like 15 year old me or whatever. Um, But uh, really, really liked that class. That was in grade 11. And then grade 12 rolled around. I was a lot more engaged in my English class that year. And then we also started like, me and my buddy Andrew started touring around different universities trying to figure out where we wanted to go. And like the first question they ask you when you go up to one of those booths is like, what do you want to take? And I, I honestly hadn't thought about it until I got to that point where the first dude asked me, what do you want to take? And I was just like, ah, English, I don't know. And he's like, okay, well, we don't really have a lot. I don't really know a whole lot about our English program, but here's our pamphlet. And then I went about to 20 more booths of that um, event. Like I didn't – none of the Ontario universities really hooked me. I went to this East Coast uh, University Fair that was in London, uh, London, Ontario. And, uh, you know, same story everywhere I went. And then I passed by the Acadia booth on my way out, and my mom was like, we should just, you know, stop in here, I had never even heard of Acadia, so I was like, whatever, like, I, part of me felt kind of defeated, because I had no idea what school I was going to go to, but part of me was just like, fuck it, so we went over to the booth, and dude asked me what I wanted to take, and I was like, English, and he was like, no, and like, his eyes lit up, and he was like, no way, like, I took English, I did honors, I, like, never gets talked with anyone who like wants to take English and we ended up talking for like half an hour uh he like told me all about the school He just we went through like the whole pamphlet he told me about all these scholarships and stuff um he I like the small classroom environment that was like one of their huge things that they were offering and so instantly I just walked out of that building knowing I was gonna take English at Acadia and then ever since then um I just got more and more into writing, not even just for class. I mean, I've had to do a lot of essay and essays and shit for class. Um, but I started. I journaled for like a year straight. Like every at least every single night, I would like at least try to write a page. Um, I started writing a little bit of poetry in my third year. <clears throat> And then I got a chance to write for like Acadia's uh, Soccer and Basketball Sports, and unfortunately this year I don't think we're going to have either of those, so I don't don't get to continue that, which was a lot of fun. Uh, But I did get the opportunity to write for a local newspaper around here, which was a lot of fun. And then I did my honors thesis in second-person narration, uh, and I chose that topic before uh, being introduced to and falling in love with dungeons and dragons which is um you know kind of it's a a kind of a coincidence but kind of not because i mean if i already like second person narration and then there's this game where you get to write in second person narration obviously that was right up my alley uh and i found it right while i was in my thesis so um yeah it just seemed like uh The perfect pairing the match made in heaven as it were but uh enough about me um let's get into what it or like what why are you why do you guys why are you listening to the episode because uh you want some tips and tricks i i assume i mean that's what the description of the podcast says but uh that's what i'm gonna tell you regardless of why you're listening uh, but first, I'm just gonna take a sip of this beer. So <clears throat> let's start off with um, the question: Do you have to be a good writer to be a good DM? And uh, the answer is uh, the answer is no. Um, frankly. Some people are better at improvising. Uh some people are better at writing. Uh unfortunately, some people are not good at either. Um but that doesn't mean that you can't get good at them. It just means that you have to practice. Um I don't necessarily consider myself a uh, great at improv. Um it's something that I only really started doing when I started DMing. Um and I guess I listened to a lot of like improv uh, comedy podcasts and so um i've been picking up some of it from that but like i you know i i don't uh, i've never done like improv clubs or anything um i guess D is sort of like an improv club if you think about it but um it's only something i started doing recently and it is something that i'm trying to work on um sorry just got the i had quite the quite the sip there so i just got the burps <clears throat> Something that I've been doing for a long time is writing, so it comes to me more naturally than someone who um, is not uh, used to writing on their free time or writing any sort of fiction. So if you're coming at it from that angle, uh, it's just going to take you some practice because you haven't uh, you haven't done it uh, maybe in a long time. So um, it's uh, you don't have to be a good writer. Um, it certainly, uh, does help, I'm not gonna lie. Um, because a lot of it is description, and the best way to describe something, I think I've talked about this maybe on the last episode, is that if you're improvising, it's harder for you to paint a clear picture, uh, than when you have all the details laying out in front of you, and you just get to recite something that you spent, uh, time writing earlier. So... Um, it certainly does help, um, but the only way, I, I say this every episode, but the only way you're going to get good at it is, is by practice. So um, for your next session, maybe try to uh, start with a paragraph or two um, describing, setting the scene, as it were. You know, just uh, telling your players where we're going to pick up off, uh, where we're going to pick up from. Yeah, where we're going to pick up from um and then uh so write a couple paragraphs like that uh describing what the scene is like how everyone's feeling you know um maybe describe what a couple of the npcs that uh, go in the party or in the room are doing uh sometimes you know we have this um, monkey this awakened monkey that goes around with nathan and dave so I usually like to describe what he's doing at the start of the session to kind of just set the tone for what's happening. So you know, he uh, he holds this two-handed great sword, and if he's like dragging it, he's like dragging it through the dirt or whatever. Mood's probably not very good. But if he's like um, swinging it around, like pretending he's battling people, uh, like f- flipping it up in the air and doing like um, jumping kicks and like like who 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 hoo, 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 hoo. You know, like stuff like that. Like uh, uh, we pick it up in a in a good place. Uh, you know, like that. That's just one example. Uh, we also have the little halfling uh, Bernard, who I'll usually have him like horsing around with him, and then uh, Gwen will uh, you know break it up, but in like you know uh, a maternal kind of like motherly way of like uh, cut that out, guys. Um, but uh, you know, like setting the scene like that. Uh, writing a little bit of like a paragraph of what is going on um, and then then hand it over to your players and let them have the floor for a while because um, after after you do your little spiel, it's time for you to shut up and let the players uh, do the story talking. Um, But uh, the benefits of uh, practicing your writing is that you're going to be able to paint better mental images for your players. Um, you're going to be able to use these pre-written paragraphs to build up suspense. Um, You're going to be benefiting the flashbacks that you're doing. And I'm going to read one of the flashbacks, the one that I talked about, I think, on the last episode, the one uh, describing Gwen's little um, last encounter with her parents um, because I wanted to... A lot of the... Ooh, there's a spider in the closet here. Uh, I'm just going to let him... I'm just going to let him walk around. Hopefully, uh, he doesn't bite me. i <clears throat> just going to take another sip. Honestly, we're getting low on this can. I might have to take a break in, in 10 minutes and get, a re- and get another one. But anyways, I'm going to read you guys um, one of the backstories... Or the back, the flashbacks that I wrote. Because a lot of the time when I'm giving you guys examples of stuff, I am like improvising that. And um, if I'm going to give you guys examples of good of writing, I can't improvise that because that completely goes against the entire point that I'm making. Is that strong writing can benefit your sessions. Man, my closet. I keep getting distracted, but my closet is really dusty. And as you got, um, I'm very allergic to dust. <clears throat> so my throat's getting a little bit cloggy. Um, but we will push through and we will get another beer soon. But anyways, I'm going to give you guys an example um, of some, I mean, s- successful writing. I think at least I was moved by the scene when I first performed it. And whenever I go back and read it. It, it, it does bring up certain emotions So I'll read it later Later on Maybe once I get a throat lozenge or something um, But yeah um, Having these paragraphs here Are great ways to Build up your story Build up those backstories you Do those flashbacks Paint mental images for your players All those things are going to strengthen your session Because it's going to dr- bring your players in More And um, I, I mean, at least for me, I get, I get a lot of pleasure out of, uh, spending a couple hours on a, on a, uh, a Friday evening, you know, writing out the next session, uh, for the week, for the weekend, uh, for the weekend sessions. Um, I get a lot of, uh, enjoyment out of that. Um, <clears throat> what time are we at here? 20 minutes. It does seem a little early for me to take a break here, um, uh, but I am going to take one, just so I can get some water in my throat and then stock up on another beverage Hmm And then oh, you know what right before we go. I did forget to roll for um, episode here So I'll roll my d20 my red one's been rolling hot recently, so I'm using that for all my important rolls And uh, so I'll give that a little oh My god, I went underneath the door Uh, Six again? Okay, if we get one more six in a row, um, I think I do have to end the podcast as that is a sign from the Raven Queen that uh, it is cursed. Um, But last episode was the sixth episode and I did roll a six, which is something that I didn't notice and I did want to bring up because I thought it was a cool coincidence and it's another coincidence that we rolled a six again. I think that's... I think two sixes in a row is good luck, um, Mario Lemieux style. Uh, but uh, I don't know if we do get if we do get one more. Um, I will have to send uh, this um, these episodes into uh, ghost hunters or ghost trackers and uh, maybe try to get them to come out here because I don't know what the fuck's going on. But anyways. Um, honestly, my third's feeling better. I talked. I talked all the way through it. I rambled all the way through. So let's just keep pressing on. I can get a. I can get another drink later. Um, so as I said earlier, D and D writing is uh, in second person for the most part, where you're saying, "Okay, you guys walk into the bar and you see that the tables are mostly empty." Uh, you notice that the bartender is not currently there. He's working at, uh, in the back um, cooking up some food while you see that there is a couple people chatting in the corner of the room uh, by the fireplace. Um, so all that is you, you. Uh, that's that's uh, essentially what second person is. Um, and we don't read a lot of second person narration. Uh, so when we are all the... Oh, I just dropped my... Just drop my d twenty. When we're all of a sudden asked to write in second person narration for D and D, and we've never really been exposed to it, other than like choose your own adventure style uh, books, it's uh, it can be difficult because it's not what we're used to reading, and it's not what we're used to writing. Um, but uh, there's a reason. There's a reason that we do write in second person, and that's because. Second-person narration, not sure if I've touched—I'm not sure if I've really delved into the second-person narration on the podcast before, but I might go into a little—we might be going a little bit long today if I really delve into what second-person narration is. And uh, if you don't really care, you can skip—you can hit the skip button a couple times, but uh, basically what I describe in my thesis— is that second person narration extends an invitation to whoever is reading or engaging with um, in this in this instance with this text they are extending this invitation for them to insert themselves as the recipient of like um, being like an addressee so like there's an addresser it's a <sighs> sorry burps again if, um, so the DM is like the addresser, the person who is addressing or um, talking to uh, the player. And while the player, let's say uh, John, for example, let's say I'm talking to John and I'm telling him the scene about walking into the bar and the bartender is uh, busy, I'm talking to John, but I'm not saying what John is doing. Obviously, we all know that John isn't actually at the bar. Uh, but he is inserting himself in the position of this... Uh, he's becoming the Address-E, and he's accepting this invitation to insert himself um, in the position of a narrative... Um, I can't think of the word. It's if I If I pulled up my thesis, I'm sure I could... I'm sure I could uh rattle off what the thesis of the thesis is what my thesis statement was um and I won't I probably should have if I knew I was gonna do this this dive, but essentially um you're taking that invitation and you're uh pretending that you are that person, which is exactly kind of what role play is, and when you're reading a novel um uh, the one I read was called Bright Lights Big City and made, uh, one of my favorite novels, if if not my favorite uh, Bright Lights Big City. Um, ooh. Oh, that's that is sort of like while you're reading it, you can uh, not role play, but in your mind, you're you're sort of acting out as if maybe you were this person. So while he goes through the whole story, he does he does take you to a couple bars and he describes how you're dancing with this one woman and then she uh asks you if you want any um cocaine. And so she says you go you accept and go into the bathroom, you do a couple lines and all of a sudden she's nowhere to be seen, and you're looking around, and you're trying to look for her, and then someone kicks you out of the lady's bathroom. So, like, while you are not the... You, yourself, are not the character in the novel, but what you're being asked to do is pretend that you are. So that's basically what second-person narration outside of D&D tries... at least tries to accomplish. And... Uh, when you do apply that to a role-playing game like Dungeons & Dragons, that's where that invitation uh, or the acceptance of that invitation becomes so fulfilling because all of a- you kind of are. Like in, in the novel example, there's no way that it's actually you, right? Uh, it takes place in New York. Uh, most of us, I don't. I think we do have a listener in New York, but for the rest of us, I don't think. I don't think we live there. Uh, maybe it's not in New York. You know what? I'm gonna check this out. United States, Texas, and Washington. Uh, so not New York. Shout out Texas and Washington though. Let's give a little refresh here. I doubt anything has happened. Ninety one still. That's cool. I didn't expect anything. Anyways, when you're playing D&D, you sort of are uh, the person who is being uh, talked about, you know, because you get to make the decisions. Um, You have uh, pretty much complete agency over uh, whatever happens to this character. So unlike in the novel where this character goes down this path that the author has already written, you are completely – and not like a choose-your-own-adventure where you'd be giving specific paths and you choose A, B, or C. You are Telling the story with your role play and with your rolling, and um, so that's why second person narration is so um, effective. Not only in any sort of literature, I think that we should. Um, I think that we should uh, normalize reading second person uh, narration uh, in like the fictional uh, style, but it's effective in a game like D and D or any other uh, role-playing game, either like live action or uh, other tabletop games. Uh, But that's why second personation is so important, because you're being given an invitation and you get to choose whether you accept it or not, but when you do, now all of a sudden you are part of the story. Um, So, how do you get better at this kind of writing? Uh, Because as I said, we don't read we don't read second person narration a lot. Uh but I mean the uh so many people say that the best way to the best way to get better at writing is by reading. Uh because that's how you see how it's been you know properly done. And by that same logic, how do you get better at writing for D D? You read slash listen to writing for D D. Which is why I think that um, listening to uh, shows like Nadpod or like uh, Critical Role, um, Dungeons and Daddies is another one. Listening to shows like that is uh, uh, Dimension 20, another example. Uh, all uh, Listening to those is so important because uh, these are essentially the professionals. And they show you how it's done. Same with watching like uh, a game of hockey or like a game of uh, soccer. If you're watching the professionals, you can l- you can learn so much about how the game is played. Basketball is a good example too. If you're watching people play the game, you get um, you can learn so much. And then when you know you do go to play uh, hockey or soccer or basketball or whatever. Um, you know where, like, let's say, like, you're good at shooting. You know where the good shooters go on the court uh, to get in good positions, or you know how they get... You watch how they get open. Um, uh, You know how to, like, set a pick for someone because you've watched it uh, done successfully so many times. Same thing goes for uh, Dungeons & Dragons. You watch people... uh, Pod has, like, 100 episodes. You watch them... uh, play D&D um, in, a, in a funny, effective, uh, compelling story a hundred times, uh, you're going to pick up some, on some stuff, and when it's your turn to sit behind the screen and act it out with your friends, you're going to know, or at least have, you're going to pick up on um, those things. And so, um, uh, I listen to basically uh the better version of this podcast by brandon lee mulligan called adventuring academy it's basically this but he has guests on every time who actually know stuff about not that i didn't mean that as like dave doesn't know stuff about D, but like the guests that he have on are like people who've been playing it for like years and years and years and they've usually been playing it at like the professional level like like the people uh, me i'm an amateur um most of the people that we're ever going to have on this podcast are going to be amateurs so, I mean, uh, you're like, I mean, I hope I'm teaching people something, but, I mean, um, you're going to learn a lot more from listening to someone else, f- quite frankly. Uh, don't, actually, shit, I'm not going to say that. You can learn a whole, mu- a whole fuck ton from listening to this podcast. You will become the biggest brain at your table. <coughs> fuck. My throat. Maybe. <laughs> That was instant karma. (coughs) And my beer's empty. Um, Was there anything else that I wanted to get through before we actually take a break? Um, So yeah, a good way to be a more effective DM is to watch or listen to other people DM. Um, People who are good at it and people who do it on the professional level. Um that doesn't mean that the next time you that you go to DM you have to be up to that standard. Um you just know um uh you just know uh it's like watching a good athlete. You know that's how it's done. Uh uh let's see. I got some other talking points here. I got some questions that we're gonna hit. What time are we at? Thirty three minutes. I do have a couple questions here and then we are gonna hit uh who's that NPC later uh so do stay tuned for that uh i uh i actually really enjoyed doing that uh, uh last episode so we'll definitely hit that again and then we got some questions for john and we got some questions from uh dave so we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get to those right after the break Alright, now if this were a real podcast, I would have put some music in between uh, what just happened and me coming back, but it's not a real podcast. It's Dungeon Master's Apprentice. Anyways, let's move on to some more topics. Um... So, uh, what kinds of things need to be written down versus what things do you leave to improvisation? Um, and the things that I think that, uh, not necessarily have to be written down, don't feel like, um, uh, every single time you have to write down like a, like four paragraphs or whatever about each of these things, but, um. Like especially if you if you don't have time and you and your friends are just getting around like every uh, if you're working like uh, forty to you know whatever hours a week, you get uh, you get a couple hours every once in a while to sit down with your buddies and just get a game of D and D in. Don't feel like you need to um, write down all all of the shit that I'm about to say um, because that's your that's your game. Um, this is more for, like, a game where you really want it to be, like, uh, really serious, um, really impactful, have a, um, you know, more of an, a story arc, um, stuff like that. Like, if, uh, if you're someone like me who just completely neglects all his other responsibilities and just records podcasts about and plays D&D, and then when he's not doing that, he's playing, like, Red Dead Redemption or Kingdom Hearts or some shit. Uh, if you're someone like me then um, you can probably fit in a couple hours in your week to write out a couple paragraphs for all your things but again don't like feel compelled uh, or don't feel like it's necessary uh, to be uh, William Wordsworth every time you sit down at the at the table um, but uh, if you do have the time uh, things that I like to uh, have pre-written, are like introductions to new cities um if you have key locations or uh locations or like monuments or uh stuff like that or if they're walking into um like an npc's like house or uh maybe some bar where you know if there's a bar where you know they're going to be spending a lot of time in maybe give them a good description of that you know maybe if they're going to find a secret entrance in there and go into some basement some secret basement uh, they maybe spend some more time describing that, but uh, don't feel like you need to write a novel for every time they walk into a tavern. If uh, if it's just gonna be the run of the if the run of the mill uh, bar. Uh, but key locations. If you're gonna have speeches, uh, that your NPCs are be- gonna be giving, uh, probably write those down if you know there's gonna be like critical moments. Um, if there's going to be some news, some new information being revealed, uh, maybe have those handy in a couple paragraphs. Um, or, you know, uh, again, if you don't have time, maybe just fire off some jot notes, uh, some points that you want to hit throughout their speeches. You know, sometimes what I do is just, you know, it's not going to be that important of a speech. So I'll just write down four or five jot points that I'm going to hit and then fill in the gaps Uh, do a little ad lib lib style um but um improvising and uh writing stuff down as i said are completely different skills if you are really good at improvising and you can rattle off uh the description of a really good bar or um or if they're walking into a castle or uh, a monastery if you're good at coming up with descriptions um on the fly, uh, and you don't feel like you need to write stuff down, then uh, play to um, what you have. I mean, don't force yourself to write down a bunch if you know you're going to be fine. Uh, But on the other hand, if you know you're not really good at improvising uh, what stuff looks like, uh, then maybe uh, spend a little bit of time before your sessions uh, making some draw notes and stuff. So, just play to your skills, uh, and then slowly work on the stuff that maybe, uh, is not your strong suit. Um, what kinds of other things need to be written down? Um, I would say every once in a while, uh, write down, uh, some moments, uh, or some, give your players the spotlight with a little paragraph. Um, I do have a l- not really example of that, that I was going to pull up, um, but um, just those one-on-one scenes where it's just the DM and uh, the player and the DM is talking to them and describing them a scene, um, I think that really makes players feel special and feel like it's their story Um, and uh, the DM is just telling them their story. Um, I think they'll feel really um, good about those uh, little moments if uh, if you go around the table and give every player a little... The, the little spotlight for a second or the limelight um i'll just read i thought i would read the introduction for um the campaign that i first wrote my first homebrew campaign um that i did with uh, nathan and dave wisteria um if i haven't said the name enough uh, you'll have to bear with me, because some of my notes are across different pages, and I do have to jump back and forth at one point, um, so you may hear some pages flip here, but um, yeah, this is the this is the intro, this was, um, I didn't t- really tell them anything about um, what the world before going in, we didn't have a session zero, and that's because this was when I was like three months into being a DM or something like that, Like, uh, or I guess, I don't know. We just didn't really feel like it was important at the time and and lacked that uh, insight. But I'll just just hop into it here. It's only a couple pages, so again, if you just want to hit the skip button a couple times and you don't really give a shit, that's fine. Uh, But it goes, Somewhere deep off into space lies the planet Mythicos, a large planet home to fantastical creatures and monsters. There, everything is balanced. For every good force, there is an evil one rising up, every villain has a band of heroes to oppose them, and after every storm is a magnificent rainbow. Mythicos is every adventurer's dream. That's not where this adventure takes place. That would be too convenient. No. We find ourselves on a dwarf planet, no pun intended, that orbits in Mythicos' shadow. Often. A dark and lonely world is Wisteria, one home to the outcasts and rejects of Mythicos. By this age, most of the inhabitants of Wisteria were born there, but occasionally, Mythicos will send their unwanted citizens off to spend the rest of their days fighting for survival. Over the years, Wisterians have started their own civilizations. One such settlement lies deep in the forest of Septime, a small town that the locals call Village Wardsley. Now don't be fooled. Although this planet may be home to the deserted, it overflows with raw, untamed magic. The gods like to use Wisteria as sort of a sandbox for new, unchecked magic and enchantments. This world, full of unlocked potential, is just waiting to be explored. Now in the Village Wardsley, two young, hot twin brothers have just arrived looking for an adventure. Now, this is where I flip pages. Tyrion, your father sent you, with your permission, to Westeria to research the unique and powerful arcana that lays unclaimed. He told you not to return until you had mastered all Westeria. Westeria will prove to be both challenging and rewarding for a promising young wizard such as yourself. Thurmond, after accepting that you could never live up to the expectations of your father, You fled Mythicos to find peace and solitude on Wisteria. For years, you meditated and trained, pledging yourself to the monastery. Once your brother arrived, you immediately sensed your other half and sought him out. Together, the two of you have been traveling the harsh and unforgiving terrains of this savage planet. Like any seasoned travelers, you guys know that the best place to begin is the local tavern. Off the main road is an inn called the Black Walnuts. The two of you stand outside, admiring the expert woodsmanship that went into crafting the traditional yet sophisticated tavern. Tell me how you guys wish to proceed." So that was how we introduced our first campaign, and um, I feel like that sort of um, it doesn't dive too much into the lore of anything. Um, Mythicos um, is sort of their hometown so they. this isn't lore that I'm dumping on them this is stuff that they already know about Um, you're just uh, giving them a little bit of a sense of or the atmosphere and the mood of what is going on Um, you get a sense uh, that there's going to be a lot of survival based stuff Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't really Um, makes sense it's a little bit um, as I said like these gods are using uh, this planet as a a sandbox where they are testing stuff out so there's going to be stuff that has that sort of uh, wild magic effect where maybe it blows up in your face or maybe it's it's incredibly powerful or maybe a little bit of both Um, for example uh, Thurmond has a gun that he can press a button on and it auto crits um, but he takes half of the damage of whatever he does, so it's that sort of stuff where it's just like this wild magic, um, untamed uh, stuff that uh, is just waiting to be explored. Um, and then I, th- I thought I would read, um, I thought I would read this other passage, but I feel like maybe I'll save. Um, uh, actually I don't I think I'll read I think I'll read this what time are we at 45 minutes okay I'll read this and then we'll hit and then we'll hit some questions. Uh, we have a question from Dave and a question from John and then we'll do the NPC generator and I'm sure we'll be over an hour and people will stop listening by now anyways but um, is this oh you know what I don't even have the right page up good for me um, okay here it is actually I was on the right page. Um, I th- again, this is the scene um, that I talked about last episode where um, we were f- doing flashbacks for the three NPCs that were in their party. Um, we were sort of um, past midway through the campaign um, and we had explored a lot of what the ca- their NPC uh, friends were like uh, through engagement and roleplay and stuff like that. Um, and they had sort of filled in their backgrounds a little bit through just, like, conversation and stuff. Um, but um, it's hard to really um, convey the emotions that those NPCs were feeling in at the time by just talking about it. So uh, what I did is um, have uh, Tyrion and Thurman, Tyrion again being Dave and uh, Thurman being Nathan, um must be must be uh, feel good for those boys just uh, having their little intros on the podcast, uh, but they're they're uh they're great players, and that's uh, the reason that uh, that that campaign is so fun is because those two play their characters uh, perfectly, um, and have just been contributing to the story uh, throughout um, in amazing ways that I hadn't expected. And, um, on, uh, maybe, maybe Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be finishing that ca- campaign up, hopefully, uh, while we're in person, because, um, Dave and I are heading down, hopefully, hopefully, unless nothing goes wrong with, if everything goes off without a hitch, we're going to be in New Brunswick on Tuesday night uh, drinking some beers, and playing some Dungeons and Dragons, or, um, playing some 2k um i know i I absolutely know that david diem wants to get his ass kicked in a game of 2k in front of nathan wentzel as a witness but again i'm really looking forward to hanging out with those boys um that campaign is also just like i at least i don't want to speak for them um but i feel like uh playing in this camp this long term campaign with them has made us like so much closer as friends, not only because we're just like talking all the time, uh, about like the campaign and stuff, and then um doing like these hour long like voice calls with each other, but like just because of the nature of D D, you get to like really get a sense of what your friends are like in a good in a good way. Like it's not like um it's not bad at all like um we were just um i think i think i did say this with dave i said it was like intimate and then dave was like Ugh. and i was like no it's not no homo um <laughs> uh no but uh, it is like an intimate thing that you do with your friends is like engaging in like uh acting out uh fantasy characters doing stuff and rolling dice and uh Uh, talking about these moments and i'm sure like this scene that i'm about to read here is definitely something that is um intimate um so um anyways but those guys those guys have um uh become like you know like my two best friends pretty much ever since we started playing the campaign and there's like really no one that i talk to more than those guys and um so i'm really looking forward to hanging out with them and um and finishing up that campaign i think that's also going to be i'm um i'm not sure if i'm prepared to finish that campaign because again i uh i filled up basically this whole like journal that i have in front of me full of notes like i was flipping through it today looking for uh the stuff that i had written out um trying to think pick out which um which passages i wanted to read on the podcast because there's um there was a couple that i was considering but, like, once I was going back and reading everything that happened, it just, like, really brought me back to, like, these different points in time where, like, we were all, you know, on the Zoom chat, um, having a couple of drinks, like, laughing. John was probably, well, I guess uh, John was in this campaign a couple of times. times. Um, but, like, whenever we play with, like, whenever we play, it's just, like, a memorable time. You know, like, uh, John and I would always hang out uh, at my house and play D&D. And then like Nathan, Dave, and I uh, playing uh, this this uh, long term. It's not even long term. It's been like half a year, but like this campaign. So ending it is going to be ending it is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, it's going to be bittersweet, and I and I I hope it goes well. But anyways, I'm going to read this moment uh, from that campaign that uh, that kind of stuck with me. Um, and this is um, right after they have just um, defeated uh, the king of the capital of Wisteria. Um, they had base- uh Thurman had basically just become the king. At this point, um, what one of their biggest threats had been eliminated, um, and so this was at the. I think this was right at the start of a session is where I jump into this and I'll, just go, and I'll just start reading right here it reads that night you begin to trance in Methina's heavenly plane where you feel safe enough to rest as with every trance you vicariously live through the lives of your former bodies while the ev- elven body dies around 500 years old your souls are immortal this time however you are looking through the eyes of someone else your skin is a strange and familiar purple-greenish hue, that of the Githyanki. In this form, you stand beside a bed with two older Githyanki, one barely awake, the other unconscious. The awakened figure, a woman, wipes away one of your tears and smiles. It's okay, Gwen. Don't, don't be scared. Your father and I knew this day would come and it breaks my heart knowing you'll grow up alone. The woman winces in pain, but her attention is fixed on you. You are the smartest, kindest, and most talented person I know. Each and every day, you surprise and amaze me. Gwen, I couldn't be more proud of you, but you're gonna have to be strong. Not just now, but when it's your turn, when you have to look in the eyes of the person that you love, and tell them goodbye. She lets out a dry cough, and her grip on your hand tightens. It hurts, but right now, all that you feel is pain. Mommy, don't go, you say. Come back, I need you. But her grip loosens, and her hand becomes limp. Your vision is fogged by tears that uncontrollably fill your eyes. You crawl into the bed between your parents and sob. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. You feel exhausted. And as the vision fades, you transition into another. This time, you're in a small apartment, crammed with books, scrolls, and maps. You feel anxious, scared, isolated. You look around around your room, no one there. You sigh as you get up from the short desk and catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror. A younger, more innocent Bernard stares back. Baggy eyes, a long, exhausted expression, a look of defeat. On your bedside table is the application for Arcadia. Your eyes glance towards the bottom, which reads, Test Fee, 250 Gold. You let out another sigh and crawl into bed holding your pillow, silently falling asleep. Again, the scene shifts, this time to a thick, dark jungle. You swing with ease and haste from branch to branch. In the distance, you hear shrieks, wails, cries for help that give you goosebumps. Cranky, the cave, you'll be safe there. You hear a voice from below on the forest floor. I'll meet you there. I need to go back and make sure the crystal is safe. You spot the ape running downhill, when suddenly, three of those hybrid half-apes start chasing them down. You swing after her, leaping all the way down from the canopy, landing on one of the half-apes, crushing them instantly. Rage fills your body as you violently, instinctually rip up all the attackers, but it's all for nothing. The female ape, with one last breath, says to you, run You hear from behind more of these half apes are charging Before you can say goodbye you're running for your life through the jungle tears streaming down your face Then the vision fades But once more the scene shifts this time though you are yourselves You sit in a wander's paradise one of your favorite bars as Bernard giggles and the bartender, Sale, makes a funny face. Cranky jumps up and down, clapping his hands, swinging his sword. A 32-year-old Gwen smirks at the child's play going on in front of her. The five of you drink and laugh late into the night in front of a lousy fire, seeing who can drink the fastest, arm wrestle, and reliving your adventures. Your face is hurt from laughing too hard, and your bellies are full of Thurman's soup. It's nights like these, the ones that you spend with your friends, that you wish would last forever. Everything then fades now to white, and you are greeted by Mathena. She smiles and says, I know at times it can be hard. You may feel all alone, abandoned, unloved. But know that you too have touched the lives of some very special individuals. Your impact is much more powerful than you realize. Follow the compass, gentlemen, and you will not be led astray from the hero's path. Then uh, they wake up from there um, and have a little conversation with Cranky and Gwen uh, before setting off to go find um, Bernard. And that was just one of my most favorite moments um, because I spent spent a lot of time writing it and perfecting it and just making sure that uh, we all had this really um important moment where we know where everyone's coming from and we know where we've been and we know where we're going kind of just sets everyone on the same page and let everyone know um that they're a party and uh that uh that you know uh they're always going to have each other backs and i think that uh one of my favorite things about uh about role-playing and uh and stuff like that is the um the fictitious yet incredibly strong and powerful emotions that get um uh that form uh between you and and the people who are playing with you and um yeah like um i uh, i really enjoyed writing that scene i don't know if you guys enjoyed listening to it um but um i th- and i and i hope that my players enjoyed it as well um, but, uh, but yeah, I know that that moment for me was, uh, was one of my favorite D&D moments of all, pro- of all time. And, uh, uh, one of the reasons that I love being a DM is that, um, I get to, cr- uh, create these moments that I get to share with, uh, that I get to share with, uh, my closest friends and, uh, and I get to share with, uh, with you guys. Um, anyways, uh, we'll move I do notice that we are at an hour. I don't know how people feel about the long episodes. Um, I don't... I guess we... I won't get to the questions then. Just because of the time we're at. And then I'll quickly... I'll quickly hit the NPC generator here. Um, Because I want... I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to see what the dice have to say about it this time. So... The rules... Again, I roll a d4, a d6, a d8, and a d10 at the same time. And again, if anyone is interested in uh, seeing this sheet, uh, give me an email dungeonmasterpod at gmail.com. Okay, we got our d4, our d6, our d8, and our d10. Hopefully, we don't get the exact same combination. Hopefully, we don't get Arthur running. Arthur running. Okay. Three is on the D4, a five on the D6, a six on the D8, and a seven on the D10. So we have a three. We have a male. Okay. We let me write this down. So, uh, male. Good. Good. uh, Good. Now, race, oh, my favorite wait, what's the d six tell you? Oh, the d six isn't next. I'm an idiot. The d eight is next, the d eight tells me the race. gnome, oh, okay, we have a little gnome, friend. I like it. I do like using gnomes in my campaign d six and d ten will provide a noticeable feature. This is what we struggled with last time, but I think I think I know. I think I know what we're doing. Okay, beautiful slash ugly is what the D6 says, which is a 5. And then the 7 was clothing. Oh, man, clothing was the same one as last time. Was it not? Was it not? I think it was. So I'm going to re- reroll. I'm going to reroll the D10. A 5. Okay, beautiful or ugly mouth slash lips slash laugh. Oh. I think we can do a couple of these. I think we can do a beautiful something and an ugly something. I think we should do... They have... We can't really do beautiful mouth, ugly lips, can we? Hmm. Can you have... Can you have beautiful lips? Okay, I guess you could have, like, really bad teeth, but your lips are just, like... To die for. That's really interesting. Hmm. A gnome who i guess it's a guy who like you really just want to give a kiss on the lips but uh he opens his mouth and just has like uh no teeth uh or like maybe like one tooth he has one tooth right in the middle okay interesting so he like uh you like walk up to him from across the bar like you describe him as like this really hot young gnome he definitely is like um like a bodybuilder gnome like definitely looks the part but as soon as he opens his mouth he definitely has like just like one yellow tooth like one really yellow tooth and um now uh maybe the maybe the best part Is the name. Using the D8 column, start from the bottom. This part, I str- Okay, no, I do know what's going on. The D10, the D6, and the D4 columns in that row. Uh. mm, Okay, this actually is kind of difficult. Okay, will- I I do have to write this down as we go, because last time I did, I struggled. Will- um. Mm, next is the D six. Oh, there's I guess n- nothing. Will okay. The D six says I I. There is no, there is no second syllable. So we'll move on to the third syllable, which is a D four. Uh, we rolled a three. Will his name is Willert. Uh, that actually I, I like that. uh, You see him off in the distance. Um, Lips just look very kissable. And you walk over. And he sticks out his huge jacked hand. He's like, how's it going? I'm Willard. And he's like, oh my god. He has this yellow tooth that just dangles. Almost looking like it's about to fall out. And... Uh, as he's speaking, it just flies off and lands in his beer. He continues to drink uh, and almost chokes on his tooth. Um, so I think he, we've been getting some good quirks. I don't think we need to work on the quirks. Uh, what else? What else did we uh, name? We got the name Willert. We got the race. We got the age. We got the voice. We got the quirk. We don't have the quest. Oh, what's a good quest for Willard? Um, what if Willard is also a bounty hunter? And um, oh, this is interesting. He's a bounty hunter who is um searching down the party, and plays it like really innocently with like his tooth and stuff usually he has like a full set of like teeth that you can put in but he does this bit to seem innocent at the beginning but he's actually a bounty hunter and once he gets the party um alone in his uh little hut he's gonna have a bunch of people surrounded and ready um to burn the place down and the party has to escape from this burning building with these beams collapsing on them And then, as soon as they get out, they see Willard laughing with a beautiful set of teeth. um, uh, Chip Skylark style. And he has, um, he now has like, Ha ha ha, you have fallen right into my trap, you fools. That kind of voice, because he has all his teeth now. And um, he just has like a gun that he like sprays at them, like, gangster style um tries to just um rip uh your party to shreds um i didn't mention that he was a bounty hunter who is also in a gang but he is as of right now um i really like this uh npc uh willard the gnome uh oh he didn't come up with his age no he's young he's young and hot um The last two NPCs have been hot, guys. Jeez. Um, Hmm, interesting. (laughs) Anyways, um, I do think that Willard would be a great addition to your campaigns. Feel free to use him. Um, Guys, I think that's where we're going to end the episode today. Thank you all for listening. Um for the first time maybe if this is your last time listening uh we do hate to see you go but i completely understand um thanks to my friends uh actually no you know what i've thanked everyone enough um, go fuck yourself if you're not listening i don't know that wasn't a very good outro but we'll you know what i'll chug the rest of this beer for the outro Okay, so I didn't finish all of it because it was basically full, but I got a good part done. Thanks for listening, guys.